this episode of the Culture Pop Podcast, Sue Kalinsky just made a trip to New York where she got to interview comedy legend Robert Klein, bumped into Judy Gold, who's been a guest on the show. It was like old times at the Comedy Cellar. Plus, Griffin Matthews, who stars with Kaylee Cuoco in HBO's The Flight Attendant, joins us. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, and at stevemason.com. And don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. The Culture Pop Podcast is brought to you by the law offices of Jacob M. Ronnie. Accident or injury, call Jacob M. Ronnie. Call Jacob. Hey, it's Mace. If you or a friend or loved one is injured in an accident, the first person you should call is my friend Jacob. When I did this, Jacob was great. He helped me by talking through the next steps, which really put my mind at ease. When you're injured in an accident, you got to have an expert. That's why you call Jacob, just like I did. Call Jacob, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or visit calljacob.com. Call Jacob. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason, along with Sue Kalinsky. And Sue, you just came back from a big trip, right? I was in New York. I'm uh, shooting a documentary about a very interesting woman that not enough people know about. Only mostly comedians know about her. Her name is uh, Silver Saunders. And she and her husband, Bud Friedman, who gets all the credit for um, opening the original improvisation in New York City. Um, so it's about it's about her life, and uh, it's a very colorful life. She's she's uh, very influential in a lot of people's careers. Bette Midler being one, Robert mm. Klein, who we interviewed. Wow. Um, so it's basically putting her on the map. Yeah. And uh, and she's she's eighty eight years old as well. So it's very inspiring that somebody of that age is sharp. You know, she knows TikTok. She, you know, she's on <laughs> social media. Um, she still sings a little bit. She was a song and dance girl. So uh, she was on Broadway. She understudied the lead for uh, in how to su- succeed in business with Robert Morse. Oh, wow. So, um, she's very cool. So so I did that. And uh, and then I, you know, just got to uh, be a New Yorker and be a New York comic again. I didn't do stand up, but I went down to the Comedy Cellar, which was one of the places I performed regularly. And by the way, here's one of the things when we lived in New York and you were doing stand up and we would go to a club and I'd see you and you'd be part of like the cool kids club, all the comics sort of sitting in the back of the club BS. And I always wonder what it was like to be one of the cool kids at a comedy club. You were that, and you kind of got that vibe again, right? I did. I did. So um, I called Judy Gold, uh, let her know I was coming into the city. Wanted to been know a guest you know, on the show, yeah. Wanted to know if she was going to be in town, and she was. So uh, I went out to dinner uh, Saturday night at the Comedy Cellar. There's a, a Lebanese restaurant upstairs from the club, and the food is insanely good. So I met a friend who's a manager who manages comedians, and... Um, so, you know, I got to see Colin Quinn, um, came over to the table, hanging out. The owners, nice. you know, um, hadn't seen them in a really long time. So it was so warm and welcoming and um, I went downstairs to go to the bathroom. Chris Rock was on stage. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and and I never made it to the bathroom because as he was, um, as I was going into the bathroom, I heard, all right, thank you. Good night. And I was like, oh, I wanted to run out and say hi to him. And he went out a side door 
and I ha- would have had to like mingle, you know, kind of go wade through a crowd. So I didn't get to see him. But as I was leaving the showroom, um, I, I Louis C.K. is standing there waiting to go on. Wow. So, you know, hey, Louis, how you doing? Um, and then just hung out with Judy upstairs and a couple of other friends of mine who are comedians uh, were, were working in the area. So they came by and we just secured a, a booth. And we just laughed and drank and 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 had so much fun. It was oh, that's great. It was like it's it was just like that feeling of of back in the day. I mean, yeah. it, it just took me right back to that. And um, oh, you'll you'll get a kick out of this. So some woman comes over to a young woman comes over to the table and okay. she um, she's got her hair pulled back kind of tight um, and she's got wire rim glasses on and she's with this other young guy. And she comes over to say hi to Judy. And I hear a little bit of the conversation. I'm wearing my beanie. Yeah, you, you always wear. I saw wear, you wear wearing beanie your beanie lot. during your interview with uh, Robert Klein. With Robert Klein, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I'm wearing the hat. And um, no one had introduced me to her. So I just extended my hand. And I said, you know, hi, my name is Sue. And uh, the, the guy she was with was a young guy. So when he heard my name, he said, oh, I, 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 I knew who you were like back in the day. She didn't know who I was, but she looks at, reaches in to, and like leans in and says, uh, so uh, you're a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked that was at her. a direct question. Yes. And I looked at her and I'm like, and I looked at Judy and I said, who is this? I was like, seriously? And she says, well, you know, and she had complimented my glasses, my horn rim glasses. Yes. And then she said, well, you're wearing the beanie. And I'm like, Oh, so that's the criteria for being a lesbian. <laughs> that's you know? a dead giveaway. Oh, it's a dead giveaway. Oh, Horn any woman, any, any woman a wearing a, any woman wearing a beanie is 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 a lesbian. And well, you I, were with Judy. I I know I was with Judy, but I was with you know uh, there were guys other at the people, table. yeah, there were other yeah. people at the table. But that but that was her criteria. You know, it was like, oh, you know, you're like a crack detective. You know, <laughs> uh, is that is that your your gay detecting? Um. Anyway, so um. You know, after she left, I just looked at Judy. I'm like, oh, God, what was that? And and we were saying that she looked like a young version of American Gothic. You know, she looked like the older woman younger. <laughs> it looks like she should have been standing there with a pitchfork. Right. She had her, her hair back like 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 the granny, you yeah, know, and she right. had the same kind of glasses anyway. So it was just weird. And I just thought it was so weird that someone would just come out and say that. Well, I said, even if it's, I mean, just, it's such an inappropriate question. If somebody asked me if I was gay, I'd like, what, what, what business is it of yours? I, yeah. And, and just, it was just ballsy and yeah. inappropriate. By the way, and, are, are you? Uh, no, but I've, I've played one on TV. <laughs> you did literally play <laughs> one. I, I, I curb did. your enthusiasm. Yeah, I did. But you know, it's funny because there were times during my career where there were people who thought I was gay, you know, yeah. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Um, I was performing at stand up New York and um, Alec Baldwin uh, had a, a very big theater career early in his, in his sure. career. So he was on Broadway doing something and he was dating someone I knew. So, you know, I'm sitting at the bar after my set and uh, the guy that was on the show with me had a small part in working girl. So he had invited Alec to come down and see the show. Okay. So Alec comes over and he's talking with me and, uh, and I, I, maybe I mentioned my boyfriend or something like that. And he looked at me and he says, Oh, I thought you were gay. It <laughs> <laughs> was like the only thing he said to me. <laughs> that, was, um, you know, that was the conversation. Well, he he may have said, I thought you were funny, but yeah. Um, 
but personally, um, but I, I used to get hit on all the time when I was doing stand up by women, by women. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, I, 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 I embrace it. Sure. Sure. I get the both. I get the, the best of both. I'm not, but sometimes people think, but I sometimes think you are exactly, exactly. Right. So, you know, we're, uh, we're going to talk about the flight attendant here in a minute, but I, we have reached like this crazy golden age of TV. I've got so many shows going right now. Uh, winning time. The Lakers show is on Sunday nights. Uh, super pumped. Have you watched any of super pumped? I have not. It's uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Travis Kalanick, the founder of uh, Uber. Uh-huh. And Uma Thurman does a dead-on Ariana Huffington in this thing. Oh, my God. Just watch it for that. It is okay. so friggin' good. Uh, Barry has come back, and I love uh, Bill Hader and that whole show. Uh, the Offer just started, which is about the making of The Godfather. Better Call Saul. Michael Mando, who's been on the show, and we're trying to get him back, just had a a very, very big episode. Are you caught up on Better Call Saul? I'm I'm not. I'm not. I think I only saw the first two. So good. So good. It's just great that it's just great to see them back. Yes. You know what I mean? And I'm still every time I watch, I'm like, okay, now how? Because we know Brian Cranston, Mm -hmm. Alder White, and uh, Aaron Paul, Jesse Pinkman are going to somehow be in this season i can't quite figure out where or how or what they're going to do when they get there but it's like huge anticipation waiting to, and i you know i know brian and he uh, it's it's fun this okay so this is interesting brian i so i asked brian what so what's the story when how do you come back he goes do you really want to know i know you and always I, ask that question i would never want to know and i i said to him no i don't want to know I just want to be surprised. Absolutely. That I mean, happened that's... once with, with Richard Schiff. Did you ever watch the West Wing? Yes. So Richard Schiff um, played Toby on the West Wing. And there was a big election to wrap up the entire season run. And it was Alan Alda versus Jimmy Smith. And I interviewed uh, Richard Schiff and we were waiting. We didn't know the outcome of the election. I said, who wins? And he said, do you really want to know? I said, no, I guess I don't. I guess I just want to be surprised. And, and some, I guess in some ways I'm surprised you even asked that because we were talking with, um, with the movie uh, uh, reviewers, with the entertainment reporters. With uh, Max and McCo. Ma- Max and McCo. And uh, you were saying that you don't even like to read reviews. You don't like to watch the trailers. Trailers. Which, which I don't either because it gives away way too much. Yep. And a lot of times... I'll just see a title of something. I have no idea what it's about. And I never want to know. Kind of. I just want to see if they'll give it up, I guess. Yeah, but then aren't you going to be disappointed when you find out? Because then, you know. Well, I always don't. In fact, there's a famous story. Cranston um, had his car broken into in Albuquerque as they were getting ready for the final season of Breaking Bad. And so all of a sudden, the script for the finale was out there because somebody broke in and stole it. They eventually caught the guy. And we don't know what he was going to do, if he was going to put it online or whatever. But they did catch the guy. um, And the episode was kept under wraps. And ultimately, yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Oh, God. I I don't want to know the end of a show. Surprise me. Well, it's even like when, when, you know, know, to go on a tangent here, but even when like when people are when like a woman is pregnant 
and yes. they find out the sex of the child. I, you know, I grew up in a time when we never did that. You know, right. like you, 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 it was like, oh, I'm, uh, I had a boy. You know, I had a girl. Yeah, right. Um, and I think if if you know if I were ever if I had been pregnant yeah. ever, um, I would never want to know. You would you wouldn't have one of those big I, gender I, reveal parties. No, well, where well, first of all, I would never a, do. No, there's I, a cannon that shoots pink confetti or yeah, blue. Right, confetti. You yeah. wouldn't do any of that stuff. How well do you know me? <laughs> Would I ever do that? I didn't even do the wave. Okay, <laughs> no, I would never do that. But um, I would just want to be surprised. You know? Yeah. I don't That's, really like. You know, some people say, "Oh, you know, I want to decorate the room. I want to know what kind of stuff." Oh, really? Just Ramona at Shelburne, who's a friend of ours. Um, she's having a baby. Uh, oh, I she's having she's, another baby. She's doing two months, I think. Uh huh. And she knows it's a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't have a gender reveal party where they had a cannon that shot blue confetti or anything like that. There are people I think that have actually died at, at, at baby reveal parties. <laughs> they have the cannon backfires, whatever That's that like happens ridiculous. to be. Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, out with the old in with the new. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we talked about the flight attendant. Our guest today is currently starring in the flight attendant with Kaylee Cuoco. It is streaming on HBO Max. Griffin Matthews is with us. Griffin, thank you so much for doing this, man. It's the only place to be. Right there you here. go. That's that's <laughs> our slogan around here. Our slogan. <laughs> so we uh, we love flight attendant. Uh, you're great. Kaylee Cuoco is great. It's just such such a fun show. I'm wondering when you were doing season one, and you're on the set and you're shooting the show. Do you know that it's going to be good when you're shooting a show? Can you tell when you're on the set and doing it? I don't like to tell if it's good or not. I don't like to even, I don't go there because you think you're making great things and then you see it and you're like, oh God, it's a disaster. So I really was genuinely surprised at the the way the show looked and also the response that we got. I mean, I think in the first episode, the very, the pilot of the show, there's all this split screen and all these different... We didn't know. You're not shooting that. You don't know that it's a, that's how they're going to edit it together. Right. You don't hear the music. You hear nothing. So you're shooting in a, in, a, in a vacuum. So when I saw the pilot, I was actually like, uh-oh, this might be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh-oh, in a good way. Uh-oh, this might be good <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. yeah. So when you... Uh, what- so when you, when you found out about this, like, did you know that this show was happening before you auditioned for it? Was it something you were like, oh, this came down the pipeline. I definitely want to audition for this character or um, you were just brought in for it. No, I was brought in for it. And what's funny is that, you know, I was auditioning quite a bit and the writing, it's always the writing. So when I read the, the I think my audition scene was the funeral episode. Mm-hmm. I think episode three of season one and the writing was so good it was just the way that i talk you know like anytime you like read something and it's the exact way that you talk you're like okay i i think this is maybe right for me and then when i went into the audition the casting director was like let's do one where you just you know say everything on the page and let's do one where you just you know maybe ad lib a little bit and that is my specialty Mm. oh this might be my show and then I had a chemistry read with Kaylee and at the chemistry read, I, it felt like the perfect first date. 
Like I have done chemistry reads with other actresses and you think like, you know, I'm trained. I can have chemistry with the wall and like, there's no chemistry. Sometimes it's just not there. Kaylee and I were like old friends. It just started from the door. And when I finished, I was like, oh my God, if I don't get this show, I'm going to lose my mind. Cause I think that that's my new best friend. Aww. You know, if, if you've not seen season one, uh, this is this is a spoiler. One of my favorite movies is The Usual Suspects. And if you go to The Usual Suspects and you go back and rewatch it, you can see lots of clues that Spacey is leaving, that he is Kaiser Soze. You were sort of in that same position in season one. You were secretly CIA. Did you deliberately leave clues in there? In other words, if I went back and looked at season one, would I be able to figure out that you were CIA? Um, that's a great question. I mean, we had so many conversations behind the scenes just to figure out like how to not give it up. Um, I think if you go back and watch it, you will see that it makes sense. I don't know that there's any like, and then you see like a flash of my badge over here, or, you know, you see me going into an office building. It's nothing like that. It's just that if you, if you go back and watch it, Shane just feels like he's got some more secrets that he isn't giving up i mean I, I there's there's a couple different lines that i say like i can keep a secret in the funeral episode yeah um uh there there's a point in which i'm speaking russian you yeah. know they're just like <laughs> yeah. there's like mm-hmm. little clues but it's coming out in humor it doesn't it comes out in comedy where you don't really understand it unless you go back and then you're like yep he would probably not do but that. it's kind of fun i would imagine as an actor to play that other let you're actually playing kind of two layers, right? Yeah. And it it was fun as an actor, but also stressful because we also don't shoot the show in order. We shoot episodes out of order because we were traveling. We were in Bangkok and Rome. And so we were shooting some, some of the finale episode we shot in like episode three or four position. So that meant I had to have made decisions about episode eight. I had not even read episode eight. Like we had not, there was an episode, episode seven had not been written. So there were like, so we had to get behind the, the, the scenes and really start going, what do I know at this point? <laughs> what does she know at this point? And if, if I say that, how does that impact episode eight? You know, like there was a lot of, there was a lot of different conversations. At, yeah. at one point it was really like stressful because, you know, we, to, to bust through the door and say you're CIA, you got to really be believable. You know, like we just knew like that has to be believable. And so we, we were like, you know, all fighting to make sure that that made sense. When you have such a great chemistry with, with people that you're working with, does it, is, are you, does it allow you like both of you or all of you to maybe do things to, to like surprise, like, to improvise basically, or like to, sur- to surprise somebody sometimes with something because you're, you're so connected. Yeah. Well, I always say like my life with Kaylee and even Rosie that like, that's on the screen. That, that is us. That's what we do in life. And then they say action and we keep going. Mm. So the answer is yes. And also I will say that um, the, in episode, in, in the first season, there was a scene where we were all in the air, the the airplane galley. It was me, Rose, Kaylee, and Yasha, who plays Jada, the other flight attendant. And we had like a little scene together. And 
when they yelled action, we all went off and they yelled cut. And I remember that the two showrunners and the producers were in the listening village and they like did a, a little yelp because I think, you know, we all got cast at different times and different points in the, in the, in the audition process. So you don't know what people have chemistry until they say action. You don't know. And I think when we did that little scene, they went, oh my God, they have it. Like they got it. And I think it's because we're friends in life. And so we just bring it to the, we bring it to the scenes. So I love the Hitchcock-ness of the show. Like from the Saul Bass style credit sequence, which I think (laughs) is just a beautiful, beautiful credit sequence Mm, to, you know, this sort of vertigo rear window vibe that the show has got. Is that something that's openly, are you a Hitchcock guy? Are you a Hitchcock fan? Yeah. I, I, what was, again, when we were making the show, I didn't know that that was going to be a part of our show. I didn't know that. So when we saw the, the opening credits, I remember there was a lot of conversation because Kaylee and I were talking um, off. We were just, you know, talking on the phone and she was telling me like they were really struggling with music inside of some of the episodes, you know, like you don't realize how much music impacts a show. And when they landed at that, that, uh, that theme song and those credits, I think they were like, this is our show, you know? So yeah, it, it, it feels very much like Hitchcock. It's, it's like, it's exciting. Cause I don't think I've ever really seen anything like it you know, in this, in this modern day television era. So you, you talk on the phone a lot. <laughs> We're texting. We do voice memos. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when, when like in scenes, when you're doing phone stuff yes. um, and you don't have anybody to work up, ag- work against how challenging is that? And also what, what's being said? <laughs> you, are, is someone talking to you? Are you hearing lines and stuff? Oh, it's the worst. Phone calls on television are the worst. I thought you were talking about me and Kaylee on the phone. I was like, oh yeah, we, we voice memo. In life, you're voice memo. <laughs> on TV, no, she's not there. She is in her trailer somewhere prepping for the next scene. But no, we the, the, the phone calls this season, it was my first time ever having to do a phone call on television. And they are brutal because you are standing there naked. You have a, a phone to your ear. And either there's an actress off screen yelling lines that you can't look at her. So it's like you're doing all this business and this lady's yelling lines. You can't look at her. Um, There's an emotional phone call this season that I had. And I went up to our our producing director, Silver Tree. She was working on you. Um, She had done all of you season one through three. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a lot of phone calls on you. And so I was like, what do you do? And she was like, sometimes I sit at the foot of the camera and I say the lines to the actor and we just hold like, it's really delicate because in the phone call that the, the emotional phone call, I had a little radio in my ear mm-hmm. and it was already pre-recorded. So I'm hearing, it's like nothing that I do is going to change that voice in my ear right now. We're all talking right now. So anything I say, you guys are nodding or you're, you're reacting to, but when it's pre-recorded, it's like, I have to drum up whatever emotions I can come up with despite what's the on the recording. So I was hearing a recording in my ear and it feels like you're talking to a robot. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're doing, you're, you're just praying to God. You don't look bad. That's what you're praying for. Yeah. Don't look bad, look authentic and, and hope to God that it works. 
So, you know, I'm curious because I, uh, you know, I, I fly a lot. Sue just yeah. got back from New York. She flies. A lot. What's your experience as a, as an airline passenger? For me, it's become a really um, uncomfortable situation because there's no leg room. The, the flight attendants aren't what they used to be, you know, like all this stuff. What's your experience as just a flyer as a passenger apart from the show? These days, it's so weird. I just got back from New York last week and I had two crazy experiences on my plane. The first one I flew uh, LAX to, to JFK, the guy sitting next to me coughed the entire flight. I couldn't uh. see. I was like, I had my blanket up. I had my mask on. He was coughing the entire flight. We land at JFK. We're taxiing to the, to the gate. And he puts his mask on to go into JFK. <laughs> oh my God. You guys, I lost my mind. I was like, you can't be st-. I thought, okay, he doesn't have a mask. You know, mask mandates up. Fair enough. He pulled out a blue mask and, and walked to JFK. I, wow. I was like gagged. I think flying these days, is, it's now it's such a weird experience because we've, you know, we were flying during COVID for sure. So that was, you know, wild to like be sitting on almost empty planes. And now we're like coming out of it. And so it's also just, it's strange. It's a strange experience. Some of the flight, att- I mean, obviously now that I've done the show, I see the flight attendants and I'm always like, what are they back there talking about? Yeah, me too. <laughs> I always yeah, want to know what's too. happening there. What's happening back there? You know, like nobody, because I have my mask on, no one's like, oh, I recognize you from the show. Like it, that hasn't happened. So I feel very much like CIA on the plane. I'm like, mm, I can go spy on you. Um, but no, I'm now. Now that I've done the show, I just think so much about like those flight attendants have a whole life and a whole story going going on back there. So that's probably my biggest airline experience post show. You know, just traveling. It's like it's strange. I know seeing uh, seeing um, uh, you know posters for the show in the in the uh, they're everywhere everywhere. I know. I was in Newark Airport everywhere that and I, I i was thinking to myself i wonder how many people actually you know ha- how many flight attendants and how many people that fly regularly watch this show i think a lot of people are watching it i do i mean i get messages from flight attendants um and sometimes like what, so, like someone will be asking me a question like about you know they found i'm an actor what show are you on and i'm like oh, i'm on a show called flight attendant and they're like wait it's, I, I generally get way, I mean, because we've been in masks, so like nobody knows and it's not like regular life, but it's always like, wait, I love that show. You know, so I think a lot of people are watching it and it was also insane walking through LAX and JFK and seeing the security bins and like, it's Kaylee. It's like, it's everywhere. It feels, yeah. it feels nice. So you were born in Pittsburgh. Yes. I was born in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Don't say this to me. This is my favorite topic. I've still got family there. Can you yeah, still can you still do the Pittsburgh accent? Uh, Yin's guys want to go down there. What are Yin's done? Yin's gone down you, the mall. Yeah, Yin's guys want to go down to the mall and uh, get some huggies. <laughs> yeah, that's how they talk. It's unbelievable. It's like I actually don't hear it until I get there, and then I go, "Oh my god!" It's like the accent is so strong. And I do miss Pittsburgh. It was like such a great place to live and grow up. It's a beautiful city. I actually got to live there briefly. I worked on a movie that George Romero did. 
mm. uh, called uh, called Monkey Shines. And I spent six months in Pittsburgh working on that, driving around town, driving the cast around town. And I just think Pittsburgh is an unbelievably underrated city. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't feel like it was a great city until I left and came back. And then I was like, wait a second. It's beautiful. It's scenic. And also they've done so much work to like, you know, build up all of the, the businesses down by the river and, yep. you know, it's, and I went to Carnegie Mellon there. So I went to college there in Shadyside. And when I went back to Shadyside, I mean, at the time we, you just feel like you're a college kid living in some neighborhood. You don't think about, this is like a hip neighborhood. Now Shadyside is like, you know, it's like the West village of Pittsburgh. So it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. And I have, still have my family and my, my, my friends still there are there. It's, it's wild. I haven't been back in like two years, three years. Do you know, uh, Primani brothers? Do I know Primani brothers? Come on. It was like the place that you take all of your college friends from Florida. You're like, let me take you to this place. And, and they put fries on, on the sandwich and they, they're like freaking out. Fries yeah, on Sue, Sue, they put everything on the sandwich. It's <laughs> like the meat, the French fries, the coleslaw, they smush it all down. It is like such a great sandwich. And Primani brothers is so Pittsburgh. It's the, it's the height of Pittsburgh. Correct. Well, in the eighties, I spent a lot of time there. I, I did stand up comedy for a very long time. So I used to perform there quite often. Really? Yes. Yes. Well, the Pittsburgh comedy club was like my, the club that I used to perform at. And we used to go to a place called Eaton Park. Eaton Park. Okay. The place where we spent our childhood. Okay. Yes. So as comics, we used to make fun of it because it was dyslexic. It was like, <laughs> aren't you supposed to park and then eat? Nope. Nope. Not, in, not in Pittsburgh. Nope. Not Pittsburgh. <laughs> Eaton Park. Oh my God. That we we spent many, many a, a late night after parties at Eaton Park at Carnegie Mellon. Me, Leslie Odom Jr., sitting at Eaton Park having sticky buns and sticky ice cream. Sticky buns. Uh, there you go. Had. Sticky buns and ice cream at Eaton Park and Squirrel Hill. Yeah, my grandpa used to go to Eaton Park every Yen's gone down to Eaton Park. Um yeah. he would he would eat there. <laughs> Every single morning, knew all the waitresses loved loved the Eaton Park. But Sue, you're right; you've got to eat before you park in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's well, right. that's that's the way I've known it. Unless, well, it could be Hebrew too. You, <laughs> you go backwards. Um, so you mentioned Leslie Odom Jr. So yeah. uh, did you remain friends with him after school? Oh, we're we're mortal enemies. No, we're, <laughs> we are best friends. Um, we have we. He's from Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just, I, something at, something at Carnegie Mellon, we just clicked, you know, it was like two of us in a class, um, full of musical theater guys and, and, and women. And we just, I don't know, we, we instantly clicked. And then throughout the years, we've just become even closer. We're like, you know, we're brothers now. We, I was at his wedding. He was at my wedding. His wife started my, my show off Broadway and our kids are, you know, we're like, we got two kids each and just, you know, running around, running around LA. Yeah. So you wrote, and I have no information on this at all, but you can describe it. I'm assuming uh, a documentary musical about Uganda. You followed, you created a nonprofit called the Uganda project. Yeah. Uh, what what's what's a documentary musical? Yeah, at the time I was my my husband Matt and I were really interested in in I mean documentaries were like a huge genre, you know, and in the theater there's only musicals. 
And we were like, what if you can take a, a documentary, like a life experience and put it onto stage and, and the real person who lived it is on stage and it sort of, you know, starts to open up. So Witness Uganda is the story of me going to Uganda when I was 23 years old and meeting a group of teenagers who were out of school and fending for themselves and deciding that I could jump in and help them and all hell broke loose. And that was uh, such a crazy time in my life because I was an artist and an actor and I went to Uganda on a on a whim one of the most dangerous places in the world to be a gay man had no idea before Instagram and Facebook and you know I just landed in this country and and got to running around like an American like we do you know running around trying to fix it all and yeah I learned a lot of really intense valuable lessons and and Uganda has been a part of my life and career for the past, uh, what is it? I, that was 2005. Now it's 2022. I'm an old person now. So, well, so why why Uganda? Well, the the story behind it is my friends were volunteering there for the summer. I was starring in uh, Once on This Island in DC, and they were like, "Hey, we've got an extra ticket to Uganda. Do you want to come?" And so I missed the last two performances of the show, got on a plane and went, wanted to go. I think it was like at the time, Oprah was kind of highlighting Africa and just sort of felt like, you know, I'm a black American. I guess I should go over to the motherland and figure out what's going on over there. And I think what happened is and what Witness Uganda is about is we are now we have access to the world in a different way. This generation, we really can just hop on a plane and go wherever we want. And you land in places that maybe you shouldn't be in cultures you don't know anything about. Even though we were the same skin color, our lives were completely different. So um, we just released our uh, cast album with Sony Broadway Records and Cynthia Revo is singing on it. Wow. And, wow. On it. and I sing Griffin on it and Nicolette, Leslie's wife, um, sings on it. So it's, it's really, it, it's taken many years to get that made and done, but I think it, I think when you hear the music of Witness Uganda, you do hear the story and you start to understand some of the complications of it. Yeah. So when you're, when you're working on a film or TV show, um, do you, do you miss theater and vice versa? No, I don't. It's like two different headspaces. Like, Theater feels like a construction zone. Like you must put on your, your put the helmet on. Theater is like, there's no frills. Film and television is pretty amazing. You are, the, the hours are long, but you are treated beautifully. I'm not saying that theater, you're not treated beautifully, but it's just like a different lift. You know, on TV, there's a lot of, um, you, you say the scene, you do the lines, and then it's done. You never say it again. You don't have to worry about it again. You hit your mark and you're, you're done. Theater is like you are, it's a marathon. You get in there, you got to say the same lines over and over, sing the same song over and over and over again. And every night try to make it feel like it's the first time you've ever sang it. It's really tough to do. So I have a lot of respect for theater actors. And I think the thing that I didn't know about TV and film coming from the theater was when you're seeing Meryl Streep give an incredible performance, you have to know there is a boom mic right here and 50 people standing around and a camera over here and one over there and the actors off scene, off the, off the, the camera, in their sweats, reading with her. Like it is, when you see brilliant performances on film and television, you have to know like that person went into a zone because it is so, you're doing such an intimate thing in front of actually quite a bit of, people you know there's so that's that's my little right. secret film and tv yeah so i wanted to ask you you know in, in this show in particular you have traveled to a lot of really cool places 
How much time do you have to actually explore and do stuff when you're there? So much time. Thank God. Like I, I, Kaylee lifts, she's got the brunt of work. So when, when we were in Rome and Bangkok, I spent a lot of time alone running through the markets. I love shopping. I love fashion. I went and dove through the Bangkok markets. Unbelievable. I came home with many, many suitcases full of clothes and artifacts and Rome was insane. I'd never been to Rome. If you've never been to Rome, you must go. Mm -hmm. We're always like, New York's the greatest city in the world. I'm like, uh uh-uh. There is a whole city inside of a city in Rome. Yeah. It's insane. I had never seen it. I was like, we have to stop this. We have to stop saying New York is the greatest city. It's a great city in the world, but there is an ancient city sitting in the middle of Rome. Um, So I spent a lot of time. It's it's been like such a great gift of this job and the show is that I get to actually see the world and places that I probably wouldn't have ever gone to. So I'm curious. We're just talking about all the shows that we're watching. Right, we're watching Flight Attendant, obviously, uh, Winning Time, Super Pumped, Barry, Better Call Saul, The Offer. It goes on and on and on. What are you watching right now? Oh my God, this is such a funny question because I have two kids and I'm single parenting. So <laughs> people are like, "What are you watching?" Nothing. I watch Coco Melon. <laughs> what if I watch this little construction truck? Leo, the, the construction truck. That's what I'm currently watching. I'm just trying to keep humans alive. Um, no, I, I, I just started Bridgerton and I, and I really loved season one. That was like another pandemic show where we were just like, in yeah, our yeah. So I just started season two. Cause I'm really a big fan of Jonathan Bailey, the guy that he's now the, the lead. I'm a big fan of him. PS. He was a musical theater guy in London all the best actors, musical theater people. Um, so I'm, I just started that. And then everyone is talking about Heartstopper. This new show, I've been getting so many texts. I don't it's think I've heard of it. I don't, I don't even know it's about a, it. It's a new British show on Netflix. It's like a gay young adult series that apparently is like super beautiful. So I'm going to start Heartstopper, you know, when I get the kids down tonight. Cool. Cool. Well, listen, we are uh, addicted to the flight attendant. It's fantastic. You're great in it. Thank you. Uh, it's it's a blast to watch, and uh, and we appreciate you coming on to talk about it, man. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you maybe for a season three. Dun dun dun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Griffin. Have a good one. And there you have it, Griffin Matthews. The thing I love about the show more than anything is I, I mentioned the Hitchcockness of it. Those, if you go back and watch a Hitchcock movie. A guy named Saul Bass designed all the credit sequences, those animated credit sequences. And they do a great job here of setting the tone with a really cool animated credit sequence that reminds me of stuff like Vertigo and Rear Window and all those kinds of movies. Yeah, it's always very interesting. I mean, because, you know, I worked in post-production. Yes. So um, what you do with what you're given. Yeah. And it can completely change the whole vibe of the show, you know, with all the split screen stuff, you yep. know, um, it's, it's a completely different show. If you don't have that, you know, it, it's, it maybe something else that they came up with would have worked too, but um, that is a really, really fun. That's the fun. That's another fun part of a show. Yeah. Great that, device. You, you know, just, 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 just working in post. You yeah. Know, sure. Where you're sitting with an editor and, let no let's do it this way no let's 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 like smash cut to here you know like 
it just changes every, I mean, editing, editing, you know, is everybody talks about the script. Yes. The script, that's what get draws you in. That's what draws an actor in, you know? And, and, and as a viewer, it's like, oh yeah, oh God, the script was great. But the editing, I, I, I'm always very keen watching the editing yeah. on the show. Well, I the flight it. attendant is great. You should check it out. Uh, season one was great. Season two, uh, Cassie is back in trouble, uh, which is to be expected. Um, and uh, really fun, strong recommendation. Hey, Sue, great today. Thanks very much. Well, it's my pleasure, Steve. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the Culture Pop Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or at stevemason.com. And please, please leave us a rating and a review. We will see you next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs>